waddling through the most boring pandemic in human history. It's the Japan What Podcast. You found it coming at you remotely in two locations. I'm Matt Bigelow in the Yotsuya Studio, Tokyo, Japan. And I'm Tom Molesky. We bring you the inner workings of Japan with an outsider's perspective and zero insight. Zero insight guaranteed, my friends. Even zero er this time around. I don't know how we're going to do this, dude. This is going to be, yeah. Well, let's take the plunge together. Yeah. Where are you? I am in Chiba, actually, from a remote location. Um, and of course, I would be a, you know, I can't give the exact location because I would be assaulted by numerous fans of, uh, of this show. So um, just, you know, private, private location, privacy is key here. All right. This is the uh, secret Chiba studio. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> so we have telework. Yes, that's we have, right. We have yeah. podcasting. Yes. We have telecasting. Telecasting. Okay. We are yes. telecasters. That sounds way too smooth and, and classy to describe what we're doing. I don't know. It's, it's a nice guitar. Why can't yeah, it, okay. why can't it be us as well? Okay, all right, you're right. That's a good point. All right, we're right up there with the Telecaster. I feel like we're like telepodcasting work. Yeah, like like that that describes what we're doing right now much better. <laughs> yes, but I, I Telecaster, my friend, Telecaster. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yes, we got to be big on us. Okay, we're Let's telecasting. Our, we're, we're telecasting. We're tele. We are telecasting. Very nice. Yeah. How is everything going? How are you holding up? Are you going stir crazy cabin fever? Yeah, a little bit. It's just so boring. Like I was pretty honest in the intro there. It is oh, really? a boring pandemic. How often have you left the house? Oh, I go for a walk every day. Um, and I, I walk around um, to see. There's a couple of hospitals that I, I like to check out every day. Yeah. Um. Uh, there's the I live near the Ko um, hospital mm-hmm. in uh, in Yotsuya, which is one of the major hospitals in in Tokyo, um, and this is a known way for ambulances to get to places. And oh, okay. I would imagine that in a pandemic there would be a lot of ambulance noises around me, but there is almost none. In fact, there's less than usual. Um, oh, that's interesting. And then the other hospital is one uh, in Sanno, or uh, it's closer to Nogizaka or the Roppongi area. Uh, oh, okay. I was just walking past it. Normally, I wouldn't even notice it, but I was like, oh, there's a hospital. And the security guards are like, you know, just standing around and nobody is rushing. There's there's nothing. It's like it's it's oddly quiet how quiet these hospitals are in a city that's supposedly undergoing a pandemic and everybody has to be on lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's actually a few hospitals by me as well. And I would say there's, there's always ambulances going up because there's actually a pretty high elderly population, uh, around me. So it's actually no more than usual, but there still are some. And so I guess we are technically both ambulance chasers, yeah, for the for telecasters. Yes. For telecasting, okay. It it's a noble cause, so it's okay. Yes, it, it's <laughs> ambulance chasing for for a cause. Yeah. How are you passing the time at home? Well, I was going to the gym, but my gym closed, 
So oh, wow. um, basically, I just inundate myself with as much information about the COVID-19, Wuhan flu, uh, CCP yeah. virus, uh, whatever you want to call it, as possible. And then I go really? for a walk and then I do some calisthenics at home. Okay. And Why then, is it so much harder at home? I don't to, know. It really is, though, isn't it? Yeah. Japan, well, what listeners, give us your recommendations for the best at-home calisthenics to do that aren't like painful to get started on you know like oh, we yeah. could definitely use it i could definitely use that um you know i, I pretend i have a jump rope <laughs> is one really of yeah <laughs> and uh push-ups and, okay uh, uh just standing in place and walking with bringing your um knee walking with yeah. your knee up past your waistline is a good way to um, okay. get some exercise. How much stretching do you do? Almost none, but I should okay. start. <laughs> I, I was looking on YouTube, but there's a, I learned, um, what was it? Five, I think it was breathing exercises you should do before going to bed. So I figured that why not balance it out with the morning? And I learned five stretching exercises to do when you wake up. And Outside of that, I haven't been exercising all that much, but I do feel much more flexible and, and kind of loose after I do that. So I find that actually very helpful. But do you think, how are you doing? Is this the most boring pandemic in human history? It's boring, but it's given me a chance to embrace my inner introvert. Um, I, most of my life, I've been an introvert. And I've I kind of had to force myself to go out and interact more and more. And now I have a chance to revert. So I've reverted with a vengeance. Intro-reversion. Intro-reversion. There you go. <laughs> Another possible theme for this podcast. Intro-reversion. Um, I was going to call it Telecasters, but uh, intro-reversion. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we say intro reversion telecasters? Okay. Done. Just so no one could pronounce it. Done, diddly done. But um, actually, I had, an, uh, I had an Amazon Prime account that I had never used until, um, uh, and I got a Steam account, and um, I already have a Duolingo account for studying, and um, what else? One more thing, I um, I had a load of lesson plans that I had written up, and now I was typing them. And then I uh, also started the Japan What Twitter account. Please uh, register everyone, be our friends. And um, between all that, the days go pretty quick. Wow. All right. So you're keeping yeah. up. Yeah. What's um, Steam? I, What's Steam? Oh, gaming uh, platform. Oh, I thought so. Actually. Is it like Twitch? Um, I don't have Twitch. So for – you mean – Twitch, like Nintendo? Uh, Twitch.tv. It's like a, people go there and you stream your, your, your game. Switch, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I'm just mixing up with Switch, sorry. Oh. Um, I haven't used that one, actually. Okay, uh, sure. I just had heard about it randomly, so I was like, I'll check it out. And um, there was one game I had known about from three years ago, so I was like, all right, I'll buy that. It's cheap, and I've been playing that. Oh, all right. Don't know a lot about gaming. Yeah, video but. games is one way. A lot of people were starting to play video games just to run away from the um, the amount of uh, political news that is uh, riding on the piggyback of the virus. So people are like, ah, I, I open up the news, it's the virus. I look at the politics, it's the virus. I look at the tech news, it's the virus. And some people are like, all right, I'm just going to play video games because that's the only place where uh, the virus is not infecting it. 
I get it. I totally get it. I mean, you don't, I mean, it's just negativity no matter what. So it's negativity and monotony. I mean, the, the two things you don't want to deal with. So why not go to games? Why not go to a game where you can be the hero instead of the victim? You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, I get it, uh, totally. But so far, um, my family's, uh, in the States have actually been on lockdown for about four weeks. So they're, they're really going stir crazy, but for the time being, I'm okay. And everybody's turning into a snitch in the Western world. Everybody's like, Hey, why aren't you social distancing? You know? I know that that bothers me a bit. Uh, it really do, it, it's easy to write someone off. It's easy to say like, okay, why are you opening a business where you could possibly be spreading it? And the person's like, I just want to make a living. I'm sorry. Like, like you know, if I don't open my my restaurant every day and get customers, then. Did then you see I the guy in my, Philadelphia yeah. that was getting yes. pulled off of a train by the cops just for not right. wearing a mask? And three weeks ago, was it? And maybe as little as three weeks ago, there was there. Everybody was saying, "No, masks don't help." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, so this that, oh God, the is, hypocrisy it, of this, super hypocrisy, and nobody has any memory. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it, it doesn't. It, everyone is so in the moment that it's just. I don't know. It's like their their um, desire to finger point and uh, like take the the more of the higher the righteous higher path or get off their soapbox or whatever. The social engineers but, get really big boners when they see everybody reacting like this. You know, really? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it, yeah. I can, I can imagine. It, it is crazy how like short term people's memories are. This reminded me of a social experiment that was done in Russia about five or ten years ago by some social constructivists. This one yeah. guy, he was from the Czech Republic. I can't remember his yeah. name. And he went and he worked for Vladimir Putin. And he started okay. like this pro-whatever pro campaign. And a whole okay. bunch of people joined it. And yeah. then he also started a anti-whatever campaign. And a whole bunch of people joined it. And then he went yeah. one step further and put a, we don't care about this campaign campaign, and a whole bunch of people joined it. And then he got all of the people to meet together, thousands and thousands of people to meet together at a rally, where they were then informed that the entire thing was a hoax. Wow. This reminds wow. me of that. That, <laughs> how did people react? Was there a riot? No, or everybody people... just went, oh, I guess we're stupid. And they accepted really? it, and they just they they moved on. Basically, it, it was a way to um, to to tell you that the government it controls you, and you can't do anything about it. That's I mean, I'm I'm actually more um, kind of heartened by hearing about that reaction because I don't think nowadays in the states, if you did that, I think people would cling to it. Would be like, well, no, no, actually, you were right about that point. You know, whatever side they took, they're not going to back down. Well, they were Russians, so they were just happy that they weren't sent to a gulag somewhere. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. But uh, my grandfather yeah, would I, be shot in the head for this. Me, I just get to go home and drink vodka. Nazdrovia. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a win-win situation. No, it's uh, well, maybe the social engineers are happy that you know the states has gone so much further down that rabbit hole. And the Los Angeles mayor was saying, like, snitches get rewards. <laughs> oh, God. 
dear lord. So I was in the park the other day, and uh, people yeah. were practicing social distancing, but it was um, kids in small groups or families yeah, yeah, sure. in small groups, and the families are like playing uh, badminton. Uh, right. But the next family over is like twenty feet. Wow. And, okay. And there's there's cops, but they're not doing anything. And I saw a report yesterday, um, and a whole bunch of uh, police officers were patrolling Kabukicho, just asking people to leave, but also patrolling to make sure that nobody was breaking into the shuttered restaurants and stuff like that. Okay. Um, as long as they're asking and they're not doing a Philadelphia bus situation, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. The reaction is quite crazy. It's, it's a lot more measured, in, in, I think, in Japan. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's almost always that way where they come up and, you know, they ask you politely, you know, like there's a little bit more nuance to it, even yeah. when it's something I don't necessarily like. But right now we're but, being polite. Yeah, right. Do you want us, it, do you want us continue to be polite or would you like us to not be polite? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, there's also much less of a willingness to go to go for the weapon as well with police here. Yeah. And people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. In general. So, so far I cautiously say, Oh, I'm not too worried about that. All right. <laughs> about the police reaction. How are you feeling about it? Oh, it's fine. Whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's all official. It's, 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 it's edicts coming through pipelines that are then followed up through proper response teams. And again, I, I don't know anybody who has this virus and something like 80 people in Japan have died. Um, some people finally in their thirties, I think two people in their thirties have died. Um, yeah. If we look at the no. deaths, mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Um, looking at the Toyo Keizai.net, which right, gets right. all the, its information from the, uh, the government only, not through their age, agencies, uh, news agencies. Yeah. And I'm looking at it, it says, Oh no, under 30s, sorry, 30 to 40, zero deaths. Yeah. 40 to 50, two deaths. 50 to 66 deaths. Mm -hmm. And then up through there. And again, if you go by death by prefecture, most of the prefectures have no deaths. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, I guess, again, you could go down the rabbit hole saying if it's pneumonia that they're saying they're not attributing it to the coronavirus. Yeah, pneumonia deaths have plummeted. They have. Oh, okay. Then fair enough. Yeah. Then I guess some, I mean, the number of cases are going up though by yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. COVID or whatever you want to call it is yeah. going up, but right. other pneumonia deaths are going down. Right. Right. Do you think it's just, it's, they've been not testing as many. So they're testing more people now and that's why the number's going up. Yeah. They're testing more. So numbers are going up. So do you think it's, um, do you think the shutdown is having an effect? Do you think anything about it is effective? No, not really. Do you think people are really listening? Yes. Because to me, it's just they're going from one area to another. They're going from the major areas and there's, they're kind of hurting more in regional areas. But they're, they're, they're moving less over, um, over to space. So you have a fewer amount of people congregating in major congregating areas. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then with so all the factor in like train time and, and, and transferring on trains, 
an infected person is traveling over much uh, less distance and encountering much fewer people. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too. It just seems like people aren't listening as far as staying indoors. No, but at the same time, I kind of like that um, screw you attitude, actually. <laughs> it's not like people are going and spitting on everybody else like I've seen in some countries or you know, sure. uh, trying to infect other people or licking toilets and things like that. Mostly yeah, it's just yeah. people going to the park with their children so that the children can get some sunlight, you know, which is a disinfectant unto itself. Yeah. Um, do you think that's safe, though? I mean, I talked to a couple of people and it was like, yeah, but it's outdoors and it's just kids. And I'm like, well, I guess I have a I've had a little bit of the America paranoia infect me if we can use the word that like, yeah, like, but, but seeing the number of cases jump up and continue to go up despite the lockdown, it does get a lot more worrisome because it is two different stories when you go Japan and almost, you know, any of the major uh, sources of infection in another country, you take Iran, you take uh, Italy, and we've had this discussion a lot. um, And I've you've kind of held fast to where you're to your um, b- belief or base. And I've kind of flip flopped a lot because I'm not really sure. Number one, what is the right response? But I do get two different, very different stories when I go uh, look back to the states and talk to people that I'm, you know, that I'm close to as far as how to react to this. I don't know. I think most of the I think most Americans are, are, are too brainwashed by the mainstream news media that has just been panicking them for the past five to six years, right? Trump's going to mm-hmm. get elected and he's not going to leave office and he's going to throw all the gays in jail. <laughs> then it's like the Mueller report and the Russians. And then it's just everything is being used as a chance to totally panic the population. Is it a way to get us just hanging off every word that of the next news story? Yeah. I, I part yeah. of me, part of me, actually believes it, and uh, people get whipped up into such a, a frenzy these days in real time by clicking on you know algorithms in, in real time with their smartphones, and then companies know what people are responding to, and then they can put mm-hmm. more advertisements into those responses, and they 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 know what to do, and uh, that's in a large part uh, what's happening, you know. So I think it's panic driven uh, algorithms. Yeah. Okay. All right. But uh, Japan just doesn't care as much about the news or it's not as driven by the news. And that's why our reaction isn't so extreme. The news in Japan is not panicky by nature. No, it's not. You're right. It's quite boring. And maybe that's the way to go. (laughs) They will spend like 15 minutes making a, a computer animation about a car that went up the wrong street and had a minor accident with a pole. That's a good point. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that animation <laughs> and it and it looks like it took about 15 minutes actually. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I you know, that's what I think and most uh, Japanese people on social media just look at pictures of food. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and shoes and stuff, you know. There's not a lot of people out there hunting for the truth. We're, yeah, the people here are whipped into a frenzy by much different uh, sources, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Hey, well, it seems to be working. So, mm-hmm. anyways, um, I have a anything else about that? Uh, no, no, actually, I was uh, taking a look at our agenda, and I was wanted to uh, 
get onto the next uh, H or NH. High or not high. All right, high or not high. Um, this this one came to me. Uh, I have mm-hmm. two two high or not highs that came to me without me really thinking about them. And the first okay. one is a question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is Rapongi a psyop? Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Psyop became one of our buzzwords in a, a past episode. I know. It's it's all it, right. It's quite dramatic. So is Rapongi so what is Rapongi to you, Tom? What is Rapongi? Um a safe haven for foreigners that uh don't us people that are just visiting for a short time where everything is catered to their needs. And for that reason, they can profit off it. Um, the people that will be willing to pay more to have um, language services provided for them. How often do you go to Rapongi? Almost uh, For work occasionally, outside of that, almost never. So... So the what the description that you gave of Rapongi is the one that everybody yeah. commonly knows. Sure, but sure. If you yeah. ask anybody, they never go to Rapongi. That lives that that usually that that's lived for any sort of any length of time. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And there's a whole bunch of embassies there as well. Yeah. But I don't really see a whole bunch of politics or a whole bunch of visitors there. Maybe well, in, maybe in the maybe in the bubble era, but not really anymore. That's why it's um, a psyop. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what is the actual meaning? The beneath the superficial meaning that um, most of us attribute a Rapungi to. What is what is actually being experimented on or operated? Yeah, that's 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 where I hit the wall and I can't okay. go beyond it. Um, sure. I just know that you know, recently there's all this um, Tokyo Midtown and some yeah. museums are opening there and all of these political projects, but we're just told it's a fun zone for Gaijins. But I don't know. Something else is telling me that uh, what the official narrative about Rapongi, what we're being told and what's okay. actually happening are two very different narratives. Okay. Well, how about, I mean, people, younger people that are visiting that have any kind of money, I think they're hitting the clubs there. All right. Um, I think, um, I think during the weekend, it is a good shopping haven. Rapungi Hills is a good place to go. Like, especially if you got bucks to go, uh, you know, to go, buy and all the you know latest and greatest brands i think um but yeah i think people especially um it's not only visitors but i think it's people maybe in their their first year of living in japan are going to kind of favor rapungi because they're not quite comfortable fitting in and it's easy to meet people it's easy to meet um uh especially if you're a guy i think it's easier to meet women there oh that's a good point so it's a sexual psychological operation. S- well, SPO. Isn't it always? I Spo. mean, yeah, like 
there's also a lot of clubs there. There's also a lot of, um, what is it, uh, like hostess bars as well, I think. But gaijins don't go there. Okay. Um, then I would say that's probably businessmen taking uh, either clients or new partners there. All right. That makes sense. From Malaysia, yeah. maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm. This is 100% pure speculation because the my first year in Japan was what 20 odd years ago, and that's wow. yeah. And yeah, tell me about it. But um, because of that, you know, it's uh, that's I'm trying to remember how I felt when I spoke little to no Japanese and I was didn't know how people acted, you know. Yeah, that would I'd be drawn to that. I'd be drawn to a place where I could at least read the menus. Go puke your guts out at Gas Panic. Okay, that, yeah. <laughs> that's enough of Rapongi's a psyop. Here's okay. here's the other one. Um, All right, let's do it. Uh, this one has to do with um, connecting the world, and uh, basically with everybody um, on their smartphones, it's algorithms feeding into us, but we're feeding the algorithms, right? Elon yeah. Musk described Google as everybody is a leaf on Google's tree and we are all kind of giving our power into Google to program Google, but we don't know what it's doing. Right. So with that idea, I thought, okay, are, are something trying to supplant human brains, take them over and, f and then our brains feed the algorithms with IOT protocols. And then the world becomes powered with global human interintelligence collectives it gives the world a brain, all of the brains. Then what? Diffuse the power of the human brain collective into wireless protocols powered by algorithm, algorithms. So the feeds coming into our computers and phones then extract the human intelligence to turn the world's atmosphere into a biodigital celestial being. Smart atmosphere, if you will. Uh, I would go high on that one. <laughs> 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 Um, do you think algorithms aren't going to go that far? Don't maybe more just take the information they're getting and then predict where they're go where they're going to go next. So they're always uh, at least one step ahead. And since it's more capitalist in nature, it's mainly to extract what people will buy next. Or I don't know that that whole society five point oh. Yeah. The fourth industrial revolution uh, yes. will enable us to create a new society. I think it's more than ads. Ads are just the vehicle that gets us there. Okay. So is so do you think it's going to become an oligarchy? It's going to be headed by Google? Something like that. Okay. And the first company to do it is going to be, have um, their emblem essentially be uh, Jesus and the CEOs will be the disciples that determine the um, the future history. You know what? I, I can see what you're saying, but I almost see it going kind of the way the Matrix went, where, you know, everything is planned out, everything is perfect, and then people just start dying off. It's like what uh, what was that? Agent Smith said. It's like we're defined by our own misery. We have to... I don't think everything can be planned for for us because human nature will naturally rebel from it. Oh, I agree. Um, I plan on doing that. I, I plan to be miserable myself. But <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Do you remember that scene from The Matrix where yes. um, uh, Neo wakes up in his pod and there's just pods everywhere? 
Yeah, yeah, right. Millions and millions of pods. Yeah, Do yeah. Do you know what I call that? Uh, internet cafe. I call it Netflix <laughs> and chill. Netflix. <laughs> You're right. In internet cafe, you'd actually have to leave the house. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. I bet you there's going to come, it's going to come to a point where there's like one of those tanks where you're just wearing like goggles, but the, the, you're entering like a, a liquid that's at the perfect temp temperature and comfort. And there's tactile, um, sensations giving you pleasure while you're, you're taking in that, that external stimulus. Yeah. It's I could see that. Yeah. Because I went into a 5g lab, um, a couple yeah. of days ago. And I okay. tried um, VR headset connected to a smartphone, a 5G connected smartphone. Yeah. And it was a live performance done by Idol Group. And basically the Idol Group are like 18-year-old Japanese girls wearing maid skirts. And the skirts sure. are just short enough that you can almost but not really see their underwear. Yeah, okay. So that's the yeah. kind of delusion that we're being um, distracted into um, uh, gobbling up, you know, 5G, so fast, mm -hmm. so powerful, but the end result is you're just watching idle groups. It's not, it's not really intelligent. Like it doesn't really power me. It takes it's my musical. Power. Yeah. It's musical funions, right? It's like, Ooh, yes. <laughs> munions. Munions. There we go. I like munions. We got to, what did you think of that bad? Ah, just a bunch of munions. Munions. Yeah. No kidding. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to uh, play this song here. Uh, can you sure. can you set it up? Oh, okay. Well, uh, this is uh, I wanted to uh, introduce another group. Uh, they actually just released an EP. Um, there are a bunch of well-known musicians in Chiba, and we've even mentioned them and talked with them in the past. It's made up of um, uh, Koji Ogura, who is a member, used to be a member of Rock and Flow as a well as many others. And I actually performed with him a few times. Mickey Acorn, who we all know and love. Um, there's uh, Fuyuki, who used to be the bassist for Lionheart, actually a very a legendary band in Chiba, as well as Luis Medina, who uh, may have actually left the band, uh, but we wish him well, and lead singer Freddie Parnell. This band is called Badger Line, and the track is called The Way You Talk. I've just been through all the most A lifetime of some I deserve to pay host You say we need to sit down I see your mouth move But there's nothing coming out It's all love Hits me like a boulder Drop from high up above Stuff Starts to get fuzzy Maybe I've been a dumbing Each other. I don't need 
another case of tea Confessions on the staircase To put up Amundstein Everything up with that now is fucking fine They must have missed the scaffold twerding Surely by now there's been somebody converted When you talk, love Hits me like a boulder dropped from high up above Stuff starts to get a funny Makes me feel a dummy when I talk Getting fuzzy makes me feel a dummy. was badger line and uh let me correct i can't read my own writing so i said the wrong title it's when you talk and it's off the uh, send city ep so badger line check them out uh freddie i uh and uh i actually performed in the same show at one point i like his voice it reminded me a little bit like a, a little bit more upbeat morrissey yeah it's a has a real classic um kind of uh, uh singer when singers were singers, kind of a singer voice. Yeah. If he was, um, he would sound like Morrissey if he got depressed, I yeah. think, but he's, he's too upbeat to sound like Morrissey. He's like a happier version. Yeah. Yeah. Like he could, he could be in a musical. Actually. Yeah. He probably could when I think about it, but, uh, yeah, definitely check them out. Go on to uh, Facebook and find them. They're just under one word, badger line. Um, in the, their Facebook page, sign up, support them. All right, Badgerline, check them out. All right, we are going to go to a call. Let's see if we can organize this. You ready? Let's do it, yeah. Can't wait. Taylor Mignon, bienvenue. Welcome to the Japan What Podcast. How ye be? It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so let's get into that, Taylor. Before, just give yourself an introduction. Um, what kind of artist are you, and, and what's, your, what's your deal, bro? <laughs> okay, uh, well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a spoken word uh, artist, I suppose you could call it. You could call me a poet. Um, um, I like to collaborate with other musicians. I, I also teach creative writing at a few universities where... I'm an adjunct lecturer. Oh, great. Uh, also, uh, I I do uh, quite a bit of volunteer editing for uh, literary, kind of more of the poetry side uh, in in Japan. I have a degree Ooh, in creative fantastic. writing. Is that so? Yep, in poetry and journalism. All right. Ooh, shots fired, Taylor. How do you respond to that? <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> combine, combine the two of poetry yeah. and journalism, and uh, get the word out there. Okay, it's called my degrees in engineering. Yeah. So, how often you said uh, you're uh, um, you work in poetry? Do you often work uh, performance? Do you do like a lot of spoken word? 
um, or does it, or are you collaborating with uh, musicians? Do you ever do it live? Is it more studio work? Can you tell us more about that? Well, uh, basically, as a poet, I, I work in two modes or three. Uh, one is where I just write my own work uh, by mm -hmm. myself. The other is where I have uh, a co-writer and we're throwing lines back and forth, a kind of denku, if you will. Uh, and then the other one would be combining either one or two with mm -hmm. a third element, uh, music. Uh, mm -hmm. And just uh, last week, actually, I was at a studio uh, putting down um, a, a lyric and it was uh, quite fun. I'm really happy. And it's interesting because uh, it was a collaborative piece of writing between Jeffrey Johnson and myself mm -hmm. and my friend Adam Jeans, who uh, does uh, works on synthesizers and marimba, a uh, karimba. <laughs> he does that sometimes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> is my time up? That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> As Your soon as you mention anything yeah. to do with marimbas or karimbas, it's over, dude. <laughs> now, what is Look what you did? What is that? And what is a karimba? It's like the the uh, the portable harp, your finger harp, right? Oh, okay, nice. And well, with with Tokyo Poetry Journal, um, we we're biannual, so twice a year we have book launches, and in our book launches. Uh, we feature the contributors in the journal, and then we have a a, a band uh, which will join their spoken readings of works published in the journal uh, to mm. improvise music. Uh, so, oh, wow. I'm kind of proud uh, to, in a way, sort of be a, a founder of the Topojo Toasters, the Tokyo Poetry Journal Toasters, uh, mm. which is uh, who is. Morgan Fisher, uh, Sam Bennett, Masahiko Shimaji. Uh, so it's a great, great time. Uh, I don't always perform myself at those events. Uh, I try to let others shine. Um, another thing that's happened recently is I've been wanting to do this annually. It didn't happen this year, but at um, Morgan Fisher's studio, I, I get my collaborators together and have, uh, whether that be poets and musicians, and you just have a big jam. And oh, nice. uh, last year was an amazing experience. Uh, just such a joyful thing. I'm really grateful for all the collaborators because it's hard for me to get motivated to write on my own sometimes. But if I have um, a partner, it's so much uh, it helps things get rolling. And uh, I try to return the love by expressing that and giving everybody a platform. Uh, the performance event, usually where are they held? Well, it's fairly scattered. Uh, we've, we started at the Tokyo Salon. Um, mm -hmm. Where was that? Uh, Las Chicas? Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, th those were great events in the beginning. Uh, and we've gone to, um, oh, gosh, I can't remember all the places now. There's a place called Grid. Mm-hmm. Um, more like in the business section of uh, Otemachi or mm -hmm. in that area. Uh, there's o Oda, uh, a, sweet, uh, a beer uh, pub, uh, nice. one of those fancy places in Shibuya. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a place in uh, Asakusa, I can't remember the name, 
so we keep be- bouncing mm-hmm. different places. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And is the um, the musicians that show up, is it usually the same ones that you had mentioned or is it kind of a rotating group? Is it um, and uh, is there ever anyone? Uh, is it always spoken word? Uh, well, let me see. Uh, we've had a variety of different types of musicians and guests. Uh, we've had kind of this lo-fi uh, electronic unit, uh, Santa Dharma, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, Holly Lanasoli Luna and mm-hmm. her husband uh, Tomo. Uh, we've had uh, Shakahachi players. Nice. Um, we've had. Uh, we've even had comedians. Uh, Spring Day. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and more. <laughs> cool. Did you guys know that the, um, bassist from the Violent Femmes is a world-renowned shakuhachi player? No idea. I'd no, I had no idea He that. even has an album where he is, uh, playing shakuhachi and all these different grooves and things like that. It's, it's pretty interesting. Huh. All right. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Have you ever performed at a cafe, Ch- was it Chesmet? Cheshmesh. Cheshmesh, yeah. Chesme. Uh, Chesme. Yeah. No, that if if it's the th- same place, I'm thinking it's more yeah. like in uh, it's on the <clears throat> it's like around uh, not Mei Mai or Daitabashi, but it's around it's there. Yeah. That, yeah. <clears throat> I know that uh, Kelly Kelly Williams and uh, Meg Megumi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're they seem to be doing. I went there once uh, to see uh, Sam ber- perform. Uh, Sam Bennett perform his uh, vinyl version of his unit, which is himself, and uh, that was amazing. Uh, it was a great vibe there. I really liked it. Uh, I've been there a few times. Uh, saw a Buto performance, and then most recently Sam. And uh, I must tell say that they're they're doing really well, uh, pulling the slack of letting artists have a, a space to present themselves through this uh, online ca- Cafe Chesme uh, mm, yeah. endeavor they're doing. So sounds interesting what they're doing and um, hope to get involved. Oh, great. And uh, usually, how is the turnout for these events? Oh, well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, in the beginning, we were seeing about 100, 100 people. Oh, great. Uh, we we hope to get eighty, uh, as low as as low as fifty, perhaps. Um, and uh, it's very tricky because with with the journal, we 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 are nonprofit, and the only way that a main source of our income is through the our parties, through our book launches. We oh, throw really excellent parties, I'm telling you, but. <laughs> Uh, we charge a certain amount at the door. Uh, right. For 3,000 yen, uh, you get a drink, drink ticket, uh, a book, and the entertainment. Uh, and out of that, usually we would keep two-thirds, and okay. that would go towards the, the printing uh, the printing costs. Uh, the main problem is when you have so many uh, contributors or people on the, on the lineup the musicians and the the readers that you know it's a bit of a incestuous crowd in a sense that sure uh, sure the the performers you don't really want to make them to pay right so we've yeah. 
we've we've tried to make some sort of a compromise, but it's it's always hard and. Uh, I've often found then if if there's a lot of contributors gathering at the at the release party, then they are also taking up the seats for the potential customers. Right? It's it's a it's a real balancing act in this kind of um, pr- production and and releasing and things like that. True. True. Um, so what I've tried to do, and I, the new the new editor in chief uh, might have different ideas, but that's fine. Um, but we've uh, asked even the contributors, except the musicians. The musicians musicians they have to carry that load, and uh, that's too much. We cannot ask a cent from them, and we actually do pay uh, our musicians when we can afford it, which has been always the la- the last couple of times. But you know, in Japan, they have a system, uh, a kotere or dojin system, where mm-hmm. uh, you um, you have to pay to publish in a journal. So many pages you pay, uh, and so with with the contributors, I'm at, I'd like to ask them to just chip in a thousand yen. You can pick up as many as ten books if you want to, mm-hmm. but just that will help offset a little bit, you know. Uh, but it's always a it's it's always a tough ask. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, we do have the chance for some of the professors. I'm just a lonely part, uh, lowly, and uh, lonely. Okay, uh, part timer, and uh, well, lonely is much more sympathetic, by the way. <laughs> yes, I'm so lonely. <laughs> lowly is humbling, though. So yeah, it's modest. Well, that's true. Um, but I don't have the. The point is, I don't have a, what do you call it? Uh, there's a certain research funds that full-timers receive and so luckily some of the other editors are allowed to use this university research funds to help uh pay us so uh really oh, that's okay uh we're very lucky for that as well have you given oh, any thought to um how the covid19 or the, the coronavirus however you want to call it how how is this going to affect um your gatherings or your business model or anything like that or university for that matter uh, well, um, let me just mention something before, which sure. is relevant, and you might have to remind me again, but um, I like to keep it, things in perspective. Uh, in the early Kamakura period, uh, early 1200s, uh, there was a poet, uh, Kamono Chome, who wrote a book called Hojoki, and uh, during his period, there were earthquakes, there was famine, uh, there was uh, fires were spreading all over. Uh, there were tornadoes. The capital had moved during this incredible period. Uh, so compared to that, well, we did have that little rumble last night, uh, <laughs> the earthquake. But uh, I think we're relatively uh, doing all right, if you put it in perspective. Uh, as as far as... Uh, as far as uh, its effects, yeah, we're definitely going to have to uh, think of other ways. One one way, instead of having such a a, a book that's traditionally published, we might be using uh, what's what's it called, uh, print on demand. Mm. Uh, we're we're thinking of that uh, right now. Uh, the editors are organizing a poetry contest, uh, so. Uh, that'll be one way, a kind of a diversion, at least during these times, to uh, look into and hopefully uh, compete, <laughs> compete in the poetry contest, uh, which we 
publish uh, and hopefully offer some um, other awards. Uh, let me see. Uh, as far as the future uh, with the events, that's, yeah, uh, I haven't really thought that far ahead, but um, I don't really want to go to a, a GoFundMe type of, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to resort to that, but um, I think that we will be, we'll be figuring out ways. Uh, some of the editors, we want to give our voices, so you might be seeing us on online somewhere uh just to let them just to hopefully gives people some uh i don't know uh it's not necessarily inspiration but just to let us know we're out there and that we're thinking about everybody <clears throat> awesome sounds great uh i just had one question when you're doing spoken word collaborations um is there any do you have a preference for any kind of music or is there anything you'd be interested in someone that you'd be interested in collaborating with uh, for your next work hmm. as far as music style or anything like that well yeah M music is such an important part of my life since since high school i'm i'm sitting in my uh my music room with about a uh, a thousand vinyl records and all these crazy posters but uh let me see uh, the electronic music uh you know things like cabaret voltaire or uh, mm -hmm. um chris and cozy uh, stuff like that. A lot of the electronic music I really uh, it, admire and still excites me. And I, I'm, I'm basically game to perform with with a variety of musicians. Not necessarily. Uh, I've I performed performed with um, Umezu Kazutoki, uh, a very wonderful and fine saxophone player. Mm. Uh, I've done that quite a bit, and even with the guitar, uh, it's very fun i'm 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 looking for opportunities and chances to experiment with different musicians yes cool very good so um how uh would people who are interested in joining or being part of the events or the um the actual the the poetry book um how would they find you or find more information about you well uh it's not about me it's it's about the the editorial mm -hmm. team of okay. Barbara, Barbara Summerhawk, uh, Jeffrey Johnson. Without Jeffrey, the, the whole issue wouldn't happen. Um, Jordan Smith and Shelly Shan, uh, Joan Anderson. I would just go to our 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 site, our homepage uh, online. Okay. Uh, just type in Tokyo Poetry Journal and... Okay subscribe or no uh, sure. let's have a look you can uh, you can read uh, samples from each issue uh, see what we're up to uh most recently we came up with an lgbtqa issue uh incredibly successful event um spearheaded by barbara summerhawk uh okay and it's uh tokyo poetry journal one word.com <laughs> oh uh well, you're asking details here, aren't you? Well, I, I, I would like in return to have people, you know, yeah. from this interview. If, if people are going to go to your website, it's we're asking, sure, okay. where, yeah, it's in good the context call, of call. the interview. It's for people yeah. to find out more about you. Topojo.com. Topojo, okay. Okay. Topojo.com, okay. Or just, in the interest of promotion, that's all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not very business-minded sometimes, so... I need no to worries. get reminded every now and then. <laughs> okay. All right. 
Okay, Taylor, we're going to be playing a song of yours um, called Keybone New, or is it just called Keybone? Uh, Keybone Eyes, wasn't it? Keybone Eyes. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be playing that on the other side of this interview. Taylor, thank you very much oh, for joining. Yes, wait. yes. Uh, I have to say again, this is uh, written with Jeffrey Johnson, and the music is by the unit uh, The New Normal. Oh, that's nice. fitting for the times that we are living in. I know. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. You bet, Taylor. Take it easy, eh? You guys stay safe. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right. See you later. Johnny. Uh, Pining for the beauty at sea, a rate of changed, estranged, in a mountainous range. And that was Taylor Mignon. Thank him for joining the podcast. You know, um, I'm wondering with all these new technology upgrades, uh, what is that going to do for uh, conspiracies? And um, it's interesting that we've uh, stumbled across an article here about conspiracies in 5G. 5G conspiracies up to 20 times faster than 4G conspiracies. Here's this article here from uh, the newsthump.com. Very serious publication. Very serious. Normal people are concerned that 5G conspiracy theorists are hitting speeds up to 20 times faster than 4G conspiracy theorists ever could, even at their most efficient. The current batshit crazy theory that 5G phone masks can spread coronavirus is spread approximately 18 times faster than that which led to the burning of the 4G masks nearly 10 years ago. 4G conspiracists, Simon Williams said, 
With every generation of conspiracy theorists, we are getting faster and much more efficient. Soon we'll be spreading conspiracies faster than even the craziest nutcase can even think of them. I will soon be upgrading myself to 5G as my contract with David Ick is nearly up and I'll be looking for a better deal with access to millions more conspiracy theories much more quickly. That's right. It's David Icke, by the way. Is it David Icke? Sorry. Yeah, he was a, a BBC um, commentator oh. who had a Oops. vision in Canada that the world would be run by lizard people. And, oh, uh, okay. He's, um, you know, since changed by that. By lizard people, I think he means the royal family. <laughs> uh, you know I'm what, not though? Sure. After giving that theory, I like the name uh, Ick better. Ick, yeah. Yes. Depending on where you go, he's very popular or not very popular. Okay. He has yeah. A huge so huge following, by the way. Well, as you know, we all know, um, we don't have nearly enough conspiracy theorists. So, um, in fact, I think they're listening to us right now. Um, so I may have had uh, some uh, spies trying to harass me on my Facebook. How's that for a conspiracy theory? Oh dear. Um, Really? What? <laughs> well, that's uh That's a segue. That's a teaser for later. Uh, yeah. I'm going oh, to I'm going to shoehorn it in later, yeah. You bet. Okay. <laughs> well, we had one more article to go over and uh this I I can relate to a little more than um conspiracy theories. Uh here again from News Thump, man goes to the park to complain about how many people there are in the park. <laughs> Local busybody Simon Williams is looking forward to a trip to the park today where he will post photos of other people doing the same thing on social media while complaining about how many people there are at the park. Simon, who considers it shocking how many people seem to be flouting social distancing rules, plans to be genuinely angered by how many people are taking advantage of a nice day to go to the same place as him. Yes, obviously people have to get out of confinement now and again. But maybe they should think about going somewhere other than the only patch of green space within easy reach, Simon angrily posted to Facebook. Why do they all have to come here right where I am, documenting them all coming here? It's tremendously worrying that people are playing fast and loose with safety at a time like this, he added, with a photo of himself mingling with the crowds, most of whom will also appear to be t also taking photos of people in the park while shaking their heads and tutting. Williams later posted... What the council should do is only allow people into green spaces on a one-in, one-out basis. They should even appoint officers to exercise some sort of petty functionary power over other people who want to come in. I happily volunteer for such a role. That'd be great. I could have a uniform and a peaked cap and tell people what to do like I've always wanted. Yes. That goes back to the snitches that we were uh, talking about earlier. Simon got off his soapbox and walked home. All right. <laughs> exactly. Well, this Simon Williams seems to really get around. Okay. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. He's uh, a conspiracy. Yes. And um, yeah. Uh, why does that sound oddly familiar? <laughs> no kidding. So I don't think yes. we need to spend too much time on that. All right. <laughs> um, moving on. Moving on. So I was mentioning earlier about the possible spies that were um, harassing me on Facebook. I had this chat going about a new flight path over the over Tokyo, and yeah, yeah. Um, I called. Uh, you know, I was wondering why this new flat pa flight path was going over Tokyo when um, the tourism was down because of, and I called it the Wuhan flu. No, really. And okay. 
but like two months ago, everybody was calling it the Wuhan flu. And I researched yeah, yeah. The, the the coronavirus or the COVID-19 or whatever. And I, sure, sure. And I, a lot of Chinese newspapers call it the Wuhan flu in Chinese. Really? So okay. one right. way of researching this is to go to Google Translate and put in Wuhan flu. Yeah. And then translate it into Chinese. And yeah. then research that under news in Google. And you, yeah, get, that, you get tons of stuff. You get pro-China Chinese newspapers translated, anti-Chinese newspapers translated, and the term Wuhan flu is everywhere. <laughs> interesting. That's really interesting, actually. And, and so um, some people, one guy was like telling me that it, it, it breeds, it breeds um, xenophobia to call it the Wuhan flu. Um, and I said that's that's Chinese propaganda because China yeah. is now trying to um, remove the the Chinese stamp off of the pneumonia, the COVID nineteen, and, right. and and blame everybody else, and then try to appear like they're some sort of hero. Yeah, yeah, a so, victim. Yeah. So that kind of goes into this idea that this person that called me uh, accused me of breeding xenophobia probably doesn't research the way I research, and he probably yeah, gets probably a lot not. of his stuff from the mainstream media in America where everybody is like, there's no real evidence of calling it the Wuhan flu spreading, breeding xenophobia. Like that's really dramatic in my opinion. And well, even yeah. some people were saying, listen, the, the shops in Chinatown are empty because of this flu, because of racism. Okay. Chinatown um, is filled with Chinese people. And if yeah. Chinese people aren't going to the restaurants, that should tell you something. It's not like, yeah. it's, it's not like it's the, the the majority uh, skin color of the nation that's responsible to go and buy things in other people's shops. So this yeah, this yeah. idea of uh, calling it the Wuhan flu, the reaction to it indicates what type of newspapers you read. Yeah, it really does. I know Bill Maher was actually kind of dragged across the coals for uh, he went over that actually that very same topic in his uh, most recent uh, um, show of real time. And yeah, it seemed like a lot of uh, liberal media would kind of crucified him for it. it I guess it kind of comes down to this, though. There are attacks on Asian Americans. And I'm just saying for the states because I don't know about anywhere else about this. And they're saying, you know, they're saying we don't want to stoke those. And I get that, but it's also, do we always have to cater to the lowest common denominator for things like this? And we're not calling Chinese people the lowest common denominator. No, we're doing the people that would attack an Asian, uh, an Asian, not even Chinese, uh, an Asian person because of that. And here's a couple know? of other things in reaction to that. Um, yeah. Some of the people attacking the uh, Asians are not just like it's it's anybody. It's Asian on right. Asian, white on Asian, black on Asian. That's one thing. Yeah. And then yes. other people say... Like I'm Vietnamese. Why would I care right. about something being called the Chinese virus? I don't. Right. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So to associate China, uh, Asian people with Chinese identity is also kind of offensive to many people. Oh God, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So um, the reaction is only done by uh, kind of liberal uh, lefty people that are, are pointing their finger at everybody else. So, yeah. To go mm-hmm. further into this, I wanted to play. Yeah, sure. um, this is a, a clip from Taro Aso, who used to be the okay. prime minister of Japan. He's a real right, right, right winger, but he's also supportive of Taiwan. So in this clip, he calls it the Bukan virus, the the, mm-hmm. the Kung flu, basically. And, yeah. But at the same time, he's trying to promote Taiwan onto the national stage. Is that right wing or is that left wing? Here's the clip. 
Good point. The World Health Organization should change its name. It shouldn't be called the WHO. It should be renamed the CHO. He said the current director general was no better for giving in to China's spin about the coronavirus. Early on, if the WHO had not insisted to the world that China had no pneumonia epidemic, then everybody would have taken precautions. The WHO, which is a global organization, does not even include Taiwan. And then precisely because Taiwan is not a member of the WHO, it becomes a world leader in fighting the epidemic. Aso had once said that Taiwan, in various ways, is a country that shares common values with Japan. He's regarded as a member of the pro-Taiwan camp in Japanese politics. Pretty interesting. Yeah, where, where does nuanced. someone... Yeah, a tribal politician like or like a political follower, where do they fall with this? Yeah. It, I think it comes... Yeah, go ahead. Go I'm on. sorry. You go. go, go. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that we want to make everything binary, where it's the good guys and the bad guys, like in a movie. It, it's always way more nuanced than that. And, and this is uh, sounds like a bit weird, but because someone is a victim of one situation, it doesn't necessarily make them a hero. It makes them someone that you should help keep from being a victim again. Like, I I feel like we can't just paint with such broad strokes here. One is good, one is bad. No, no, no. Everyone is going to have some good points and some bad points, and we have to kind of acknowledge them, even if there's someone uh, mainly that we would oppose in belief or, yeah. And, um, and I think we're coming into that more and more, even as we're becoming more polarized in the states uh, politically and more tribal. We're starting to get into this kind of nuance where it's like, no, we don't want to do call someone this because we don't want to increase hatred to this. But we do have to acknowledge some facts of where things originate. We have to look at it, OK, from purely, let's say, scientific or a logical point of view. Yeah. When, that, when I called it the Wuhan flu uh, yeah. on the pa- Facebook thing— I didn't mm-hmm. even realize that it was like, – I'd read about it, but not really because I, I don't hang out with white people. I don't hang out with yeah, Westerners. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like I spent the last five years of my life hanging out with a lot of like just Asian people in my classrooms and stuff like that. Sure, I, sure. The, I was the only teacher at this place. So right. I was like Chinese, Koreans, Indians, and then me. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't really have this whole um, liberal, educated – class of white people around me and that makes me go off into a totally different world so when this person was like oh you call it the wuhan flu he gave like an eye roll emoji and i had no idea what he meant at first i was like what what does this mean and then i thought about it and i was like oh he's probably one of those wuhan flu is racist people and then yeah then he said it was a breeding xenophobia and i said well that's ccp propaganda because the chinese communist party is now using its media outlets to try to make China look like a good thing and the um, everybody else should be grateful for them and uh, we shouldn't be uh, labeling it as Chinese because that's racist. And oh, okay. so that's a campaign that's going on. So when we call it, when we even call it COVID-19, that's yeah. the WHO working with the Communist Chinese Party to try to find a way to label it in a way that removes a Chinese fingerprint on it and then spread that out across the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he called me yeah. a wet fart of a person. <laughs> for, for, for okay, points for creativity on that. I that okay. was funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of. <laughs> but I don't even know who this person is, and he could be a spy trying to, uh, uh, trying to you know uh, promote certain ideologies uh, that get spread on Facebook. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know if I, well, I don't I'm like, I don't know if I want to give him that much credit, me neither, but, uh, but it makes me, yeah. makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay. No, you're being targeted, man. Watch it. Thank you. Get the tinfoil hat on. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. David Icke, where are you? <laughs> David Icke or Ick. <laughs> Ick. Um, so there was that really interesting thing. Um, oh, yeah. I just forgot to play this. Okay. Coronavirus. If the Wuhan flu doesn't kill you, then media panic will. Now do whatever the government tells you to do. Words to live by. Words to live by. <laughs> um, the next one I'm going to play, the next clip, um, is uh, this um, interview that a lot of people have seen, but I'm not sure if the listeners of the podcast have seen it or heard of it. And this is um, a uh, reporter from Hong Kong asking a Canadian doctor with the World Health Organization um, about his reaction to how Taiwan handled this situation. And we can see what he does. You don't even need visuals to understand this. Would the WHO consider Taiwan's membership? So the doctor's not answering. Right, yeah. Hello? With it, with it. I, can't hear, I couldn't hear your question. Okay, yeah, let me, let, let me, let me repeat the question. No, that's so, okay. Let, let's move to another one then. Right, because, because I'm, I'm actually curious on talking about Taiwan as well, on Taiwan's case. Hangs up. <laughs> that's, uh, we decided yeah, to give worrying. Dr. Howard another call to follow up. And I just want to see if you can comment a bit on how Taiwan has done so far in terms of containing the virus. Well, we've already talked about China. And, um, you know, when you look across all the different areas of, uh, of China, they've actually all done quite a good job. So with that, I'd like to thank you very much for inviting us to participate. And, uh, and good luck as you go forward with the battle in Hong Kong. Hmm. So that's the Suspicious. WHO. Yeah. And he refuses to, you know, Taiwan is China, according to him. And they're so connected to the CCP's influence in the WHO, they can't speak honestly about a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. That's really worrying, frankly. That's really disturbing. So going back to somebody calling it Wuhan flu by almost accident... Yeah, yeah, I wasn't trying to breed xenophobia. Um, it, it, yeah, the, this they basically the New York Times has advertisements paid for by the Communist Party in China, uh, and massive really? com, massive papers in in America have had the China Daily sections inside of its newspapers. And really, the most of the mainstream media that comes from China that's English is directly owned by the the Communist Party. So they are able to push out so much information directly from China in, in front of people's faces inside of America. And mm-hmm. most Americans aren't probably going to look up translation software mm-hmm. and then go into China and see, you know, the Taiwanese Chinese take on the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. They're not going to look right, at this right. complex, nuanced warfare that's going on. They're just yeah. going to listen to somebody call, saying it's okay to call this racist. Now go on social media and call everybody who uses this term racist. So yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it creates further political division inside of a foreign nation. 
So it's not, yeah. it's using the pandemic, not as a way to um, reduce harm, but as a way to push forward more political division. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much going on. Who would have cha- uh, time to look into it? Because who would believe that, that uh, you know, we don't want to increase xenophobia? Who would kind of question that, you know? Well, the guy who goes to the park to take pictures of other people in the park. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, we all do have to step back and not give that knee-jerk reaction. We have to look into something like it, it can't be this good, this bad. And, you know, we have to let a little bit more logic take over and not give our first our emotional reaction. Yeah, exactamundo. Um, yeah. So – that's that. And then mm-hmm. this next set, mm-hmm. I'm going to play another clip. And this is a, yeah. a, a doubler. Um, okay. Basic, what has happened a lot is the, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Chinese people like yeah. in the diaspora went abroad in December, January, February and bought up almost all of the masks wherever they could go and okay. brought them back to China. Really? China is sending out a whole bunch of medical equipment to people and nations affected by the pandemic. We can call it okay. COVID-19. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, and, but a lot of this medical equipment is damaged. It's not good, as I mentioned. So this clip is a double clip. And okay. it, it's um, the, uh, how Japan plans to import medical equipment, but then on the other side is a reaction from an Australian commentator. This takes a minute or two. Okay. A telecom giant in Japan has announced it will supply the nation with 300 million face masks per month in a bid to ease the current shortage. SoftBank Group says it has made a deal with the Chinese firm BYD. The agreement will enable the Japanese company to provide 200 million regular surgical masks and 100 million advanced N95 masks per month starting in May. BYD is a Chinese electric vehicle firm. It started mass-producing masks in February amid the spread of the new coronavirus. SoftBank Group plans to purchase the masks from BYD. CEO Son Masayoshi wrote a message on Twitter. He said the company will cooperate with the Japanese government to supply the masks to medical workers and as many other people as possible. He also said the company will not make a profit. The government has encouraged Japanese firms to boost the production of masks to alleviate the supply crunch. It believes the number produced each month will increase to 700 million starting in May. The total number that month will reach 1 billion when the masks provided by SoftBank are added. So we better hope that those uh, masks are of uh, pretty good quality. Otherwise, there's going to be a massive PR crush. And notice right, how uh, yeah. we've always been talking about this as a uh, supply chain threat more so mm-hmm. than anything else, right? Right, It's not yeah. the fact that so many people are dying, but it's the fact that our supply chains, our medical supply chains, could be overrode, overridden mm-hmm. by by this thing. Just yeah, me. yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're very passionate. I can, I can always tell when you fart. <laughs> what about China? Yet again, another example here about this is the, the Australian things that are trying okay. not to be sent out of the country, but to be sent into the country. We learned today via the ABC that China has been sending defective products to Australia. 
when it comes to the personal protective gear that people are using around their face, on their hands, or as the masks that may well be what people are trying to rely upon to stay safe in our hospitals. The ABC has learnt in recent weeks that Australian Border Force officers have intercepted several deliveries of personal protective equipment, PPE as it is called here, not PPG as it is called in the Northern Hemisphere. Our law enforcement official, uh, one law enforcement official rather, who spoke on the condition of anonymity estimated that the ABF have uh, seized 800,000 masks, combined value $1.2 million. We started seeing this stuff arriving roughly three weeks ago when the news of the pandemic was really taking off. This stuff is defective and is being stopped at the borders. That would be an absolute definition of ugly. The very nation responsible for the atrocious handling of all of this now trying to pretend that they are helping by sending gear that doesn't work. And there's a whole bunch of videos that you can find about this as well, of people opening up gowns and the gowns just rip apart and it's supposed to be protective uh, PPE, personal protective equipment. Do you think this is a conspiracy or is this like, is it China sending defective products to Australia or is it China's sending defective products out? Because... Well, they're they're, they're is, going out everywhere. You can. I didn't choose Australia. That was just what yeah. I found in the search. But you can okay. look up Italy. You can look up Spain. You can look up Luxembourg. Right. You can look up England. Uh, the you know every every country basically is receiving defective equipment. <laughs> but isn't it the whole fact is we're um, China already has the reputation for this in outside and within China. Yeah, made in China. Right, like of making very cheap. Not always up to standard products. Yeah, but they they purposefully mm -hmm. went all over the world and bought up all of the equipment and then started sending it out. Yeah. Okay. Poor. Yeah. It, poor production. Are you product. saying they re uh, they regifted? Yeah, bunch of uh, yeah. I'm not going to use the term. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Who knows? But it's 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 for me. It's all about supply chain. So it's yeah, looking yeah. at how. How having our our concentrated um, supply chains in Wuhan led yeah. led to a global uh, pandemic and, and stress on all of our supply chains. You know, I've been following yeah. this for a long time, and uh, like seventy percent right. of their pharmaceuticals are made over there, and all, a lot of our telecommunications gear and just basically everything has some sort of process in Wuhan. And then when the pandemic broke out, the government shut the place down. And so, you know, you're a foreign company, you ha you can't even control your own business interests inside of a country. And that right. business interests aren't just making toys, it's making pharmaceutical equipment and cybersecurity equipment and all these other right. things that then medical equipment that then get redistributed throughout the globe on these broken supply chains that um, provide broken equipment. It's It's too crazy. So do you feel the answer is to stop outsourcing or to stop outsourcing to China? Uh, well, one answer is people are going to start uh, moving their supply chains outside of China. The government of Japan has announced a part of a $2.2 billion rescue package for those of okay. businesses affected by the coronavirus right. to, um, to help fund their uh, business operations to get out of China, either come back to mm -hmm. Japan or go somewhere else, but get out okay. of China. Mm, yeah, because I mean, nothing to do again with the people, but that just seems to be the wisest course of action. Yeah, it's not, not to the concentrate. People, it's, it's yeah, the, it's the Communist Party. Yeah, right. And I mean, we've been for so long, we have been, what is it kind of 
we, everybody knows that the products probably are substandard, but we put up with it anyway because the prices are so, so cheap. Maybe it's time that we shouldn't put up with that. Yeah, I think it's a, a global um, flop uh, yeah. to you know not have control over your medical equipment. Yeah. Some some companies from China were saying, oh, we're not going to release our medical equipment to you and hope that you drown in a sea of coronavirus. <laughs> That's what they were saying. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but calling it the Wuhan flu <laughs> makes you racist. Like it's Yeah. It, it's so imbalanced. Well, there's so much of a that information isn't reaching the people, you know what I mean? And I wonder actually a lot of people that once they put that that um feeling out that, you know, it's racist, no matter what, they're not going to back back down from it, no matter what evidence you used to um you give to counter as a counter argument. People are very intellectually lazy when it comes to that. Oh, you mean I can just call this racist and I'm good and I don't have to look at anything else? Count me in. But they're also like a, a status chaser too at yeah. the same time. They always want to be able to look down on someone else. Mm -hmm. So that's our message. Don't look down on people. Yeah. <laughs> call it whatever you want. Some yeah. people are calling it the CCP virus. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> we may be onto something there. That was started by the Epoch Times or the Epic Times. Yeah, yeah. And um, when I was doing some research into the, uh, the Chinese newspaper publications uh, by yeah. using the translation software, I noticed that CCP virus was coming up sometimes. So uh, some some people who are really upset at the uh, Chinese government are now using this. <laughs> And, well, I don't think it's it's just intellectual enough that probably Asian Americans aren't going to be attacked by it for it. And that's true too. So I'm, I I do understand that I don't want anybody to be attacked. Um, right. However, at the, at the other time, uh, people really need to broaden how they get their information. That that would be my message. Yeah, don't go with the knee jerk reaction. Take a second to ponder. You know, think about it. Where is it coming from, and why is it coming from there? I think that's the general problem with especially American politics in general. Yeah, it is crazy that it's a pandemic, but as soon as it can be politicized, it's like, okay, we're yeah. not going to worry about the health effects. We're just going to worry about how we're responding to it politically. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That Turned it into an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with that. <laughs> oh, what a world. What a world. All right. Well, we're all, you know, we're all on lockdown. So now everyone has a little more time. So research before you, you know, you, you label someone, look into it, take a quick show, a little more empathy and probably the world will be a better place. Mm -hmm. We all get our information from somewhere. Um, yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to end the podcast by releasing my new song, Tom. Okay, great. Unless you wanted so, to um, have add anything. You wanted to say something about not a show of yes. the week because there are no shows. Yes, but I do want to show uh, support for one place that um, did put out shows and will hopefully have shows again, and that's Topper's Bar. It, the owners of Topper's Bar also own an Indian restaurant in Chiba called Sunsar, Sunsada. Uh, um, it's S-U-N-S-A-R. Uh, you can find it on Facebook. And um, right now they're – they're doing you can do phone in take out uh orders and um if you uh look it up um on facebook as sunsar uh indian restaurant you can find them they're right by higashi chiba station the food is excellent i uh ask anyone in that area please try it out and um support food good food and good music 
Indeed. All right. This song is called Patio. I've, I wrote it 15 years ago, and I've recorded it a wow. few times. This time I wanted to go with a jazzy version. Cool. Uh, so I play the guitar. I play the piano. I play the drums. I recorded it all. My friend James Steele is on bass, and I edited it, and I did all the sound engineering as well. So it's a little fantastic. It's a wow. little song called Patio. Leave it on a cliff. 
Thank you very much for listening to the Japan Web Podcast. Take her easy out there, waddling your way through the most boring pandemic in human history. Keep safe, everyone. And if you have any opinions on the show, don't hold back. Good or bad, let us know. We're on Facebook. We are also uh, on Twitter, at Japan, what, W-T, W-U-T. And um, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. wear my mask and wash my hands after going home.